Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. Alright, well, that means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. So, Sean, this week, uh, as as I think you're aware, and I think I probably go over it enough on the podcast, and, and certainly you, you do the same, I like taking my disposable income and um, using it on concerts, and of course, fees to go to concerts, but... Uh, to the point that you and I were both very excited recently that we bought tickets to a Spoon show. And, and yeah, the, and we were ecstatic that the associated fees were less than one-third the cost of the actual ticket. I mean, they were still like a quarter of the price or close we, to it. We We have a ridiculously low bar because of what these predatory ticket companies are, are doing. Um, I mean... Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the the utility I I will get out of the show will far exceed the cost of the ticket price. So I just kind of keep telling myself that, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's still kind of I mean that helps irks me. It does, but I did recently. I'm not entirely sure when this is going to come out, but it will be recent. Recently, I went to a show and I saw one Arcade Fire. Um, who you may be familiar with. And I think um, the week I've gone to this show, uh, the New York Post or someone, somewhat hyperbolically, but I get it after going, said Arcade Fire is maybe the best rock, the performing rock band at this time. They have a really cool stage presence and show, and I'd heard great things, and I went in with not particularly ecstatic expectations because I'm not their biggest fan, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but this week, I think, you know, we're, we're going to get into some generally what it's like going to concerts, but yeah, well, let's, so let me first say that, you know, as as someone speaking with all the authority of a person who's never been to an arcade fire show Mm -hmm. that I just, I disagree with the premise that they're the best performing rock band. Um, It was like, because I've seen Bruce Springsteen and because I've seen, um, Titus Andronicus in two very small venues and they're they're really that band to me is probably well they're certainly the best performing band that I've seen um but it's yeah, it's also a very different it's also a very different uh sort of aesthetic from Arcade Fire uh so you made the point that you're not the biggest Arcade Fire fan in the world, and I'm not either, but I have sort of vaguely followed along with their career, and and so I'm I'm kind of fascinated by you going to an Arcade Fire show in 2017, given that the album they put out this year, Everything Now, mm-hmm. I think, is pretty much, seems to be pretty universally regarded as their worst recording ever. So I, I, I do want to kind of respond to, to all those points in one. Uh, and getting back to talking about concerts, even if that album was not 
the favorite of a lot of people because they've put out some some very good music in yes. the past. Certainly, uh, sure. critically acclaimed, fan acclaimed, whatever, what have you. The other thing is you mentioned Bruce Springsteen and Titus Andronicus, and you know, pick pick your group, but doing it in um, the artist or I should say the venue formerly known as the Verizon Center, now Capital One Arena, mm-hmm. uh, that takes some some doing to. That's fair. Put put a lot of people in that and then make it so that people are really into it and really engaged. So I credit them for doing that. Even if you could quibble with how they actually played that night versus another night, they get a a large arena really into it. And I I appreciate that. Um and so even if they are not um you know, the songs from this most recent album aren't your favorites. The one thing that they do is they do have a catalog and they are playing songs that people look forward to and they know how to interact with their crowd. And I think that that's something that, you know, good bands know how to do. Titus Andronicus, I mean, Bruce Springsteen has like 80 songs that people just faint over. So sure. uh, I think that that's, that, that plays. And, you know, I, I think that's something that's that's worth discussing. Yeah. So So were there sort of the rest of the Arcade Fire discography, was it pretty well mixed in with the new stuff? I think so. Uh, unlike other groups, like when I went and saw Spoon uh, a, a like a month ago or something, uh, they kind of, uh, they, I knew their, I know their whole discography basically. So I, I knew where all the albums they were playing stuff from. This is not a group that, that I know I knew as much, but um, That's fair. S- still really... Uh, you know, I could tell that it was mixed. Now, here's the thing that is different, and I think it affects the whole concert between that Spoon show that I mentioned and uh, this Arcade Fire one, which is Spoon was nominally opening for uh, Bell and Sebastian, which is weird to me because Bell and Sebastian is fine. I think Spoon is the much bigger group, but apparently I was wrong, judging by the crowd. Um, But that meant that Spoon, they played their set, and that was it. There was no encore. There was no second bit of music. It was just once straight through. Obviously, it's different when you are the headlining group. Sure, and so that's actually, that's why, that is specifically why I asked how how the set list was blended in together. Because I've noticed in my concert-going life that more often than not, the encore of a, of a headlining act is a, it, it's what happens you notice throughout the show that oh they haven't played X you know crowd favorite song uh, yeah that's kind of weird oh I bet they're doing it for the encore and that's what the encore is is their chance to come back out you know get another round of applause and, and play that song um but you are, I think it's safe to say, not a fan of the encore. So yeah, and and I do, and I think that this Arcade Fire show is really a great example of of why I am pro, both mostly anti, and then also kind of pro encore in this instance. So the thing about that an encore allows you to do is, to some degree, it allows you to reset, um, and. 
because everyone goes off the stage, but anymore, and this is a big reason why I'm anti, you just know because of that mixing. It's like they haven't played these three th- uh, these three songs. Of course they're going to play these three songs. So you mm-hmm. expect them to come back out. Whereas I feel like the encore, like in not a, not a purist sense, but in kind of like the definition of the word and what I think of as this beautiful ideal of concert going, the show was so good and the crowd was so into it and the band is like, let's do this again. I mean, I just read Meet Me in the Bathroom, and they it is mentioned again and again that the Strokes, as a matter of like professionalism in the way they played, they did not do encores on purpose. As like a, a, it, some people thought it was poor showmanship, and then I think it evolved into no, this is kind of cool. They are very well tuned. This is what they do, and to a degree, if you play your whole set and you hit everything, and you're just riding that wave. You don't need to come out and play more. Like, hopefully you got to it. But purposefully saving this stuff to the end, that kind of irks me. Now, that said, I will give Arcade Fire a lot of credit because when they did that reset, their their stage was set in the middle of, of this arena as opposed to on an end, which I think allowed for more tickets to sell and better viewing for, for everybody. Win Butler... Uh, everyone else comes back up on stage and then all of a sudden he's out in the crowd and then approaches the out of the encore uh, or out of the stop going into the encore he walks up to the stage through the crowd which i think was a really cool effect the other thing that they did was preservation hall jazz band was opening for them which i did not know coming into the show and preservation hall jazz band they brought out to do like two of the songs with the encore that's cool when you like bring someone else in that's unexpected and that can only happen in that show that's not like a a mixing of oh we're gonna save this till the end this is like we're gonna give you something special and different and of course being as great as they are um preservation hall jazz band uh as people are going off the stage at the end of the show they continue playing walking down the stairs because they can do that because they're from new orleans so i i both well, and it, more because it, they have instruments that don't have to be amplified necessarily. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I but will, I will accept that on behalf of New Orleans. So I don't like the way encores normally work. I don't really like it. Just, just give me everything, unless you really need a break, and then much respect to you. But do something special and different. Don't just save the songs till the end. Here's a counter argument to what you just said about needing a break. Um, that would be one thing if your encore was more than two songs. Mm, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reject the idea that you really need that much of a break to come back and play seven more minutes of music. Mm-hmm. But I, I do agree that it, it's it's a cool thing, you know, if you can give an added wrinkle that's not just like, hey, we're gonna play our hit, you know, that that's that's that song you know uh, that you spent half the concert not paying attention because you were wondering when we were gonna play it. Um, and that's so that's my that's my biggest problem with the encore I think is that it's warped I think it's warped audience expectations for what a show is um, you know you spend all that time you you're there and you are consciously thinking like when are they gonna play wake up when are they gonna play wake up that's I, I came here to see that oh it's probably gonna be the encore it was <laughs> it was nailed it but there's Uh, also just you know if you expect if you expect that there's going to be an encore i I don't like the idea that the encore has to be part of the show i like that strokes move 
you've got your set. You play the shit out of your set, and then you get off the stage, and the concert's over. The concert's and, over when you leave. That's and that fine. Is... That's how that works. Um, but instead, now, you know, we have this expectation that not only, you know, are we going to get bonus material, uh, but it's actually not really going to be a bonus. It's going to be the stuff we thought we were getting anyway. And I almost wonder if that's got, you know, if that plays some small factor in rising ticket prices. Is just like, oh, well, it's not part of the show. You might not get it. Like, we yeah. all know we're going to get it. Yeah. I, um, I, I, think, I think you've hit the nail on the head, which is this has become an expectation. Yeah. And I think it should be – it should almost be a reward for a good show. It's like if you – if this this should be the, the carrot that makes crowds better because there are some venues in D.C. that are not great in part because the crowds don't get into it. And there are other places and other groups where – I'm just amazed by how much the crowds are into it. Yeah. Like when I went to a parquet court show that they kept on giving basically the venue shit because as a group you mentioned earlier, they were playing earlier on the night that Titus Andronicus was also playing a separate concert, but still at nine thirty, mm-hmm. And they were just giving them shit because they were playing at like seven o'clock, which is kind of <laughs> ridiculous for a rock band. Uh, but the crowd was, I was shocked at how much they were into it. There yeah. was moshing, which you don't always get on Tuesday nights, but Lo and behold, the show was made by the crowd being great. And I think that's a time where you should get the carrot of, wow, as a performer, I want to keep performing with this group of people. That's fair. So the the thing that the thing that strikes me is that, you know, it's even it's bled out into other forms of entertainment. I mean, it's the it's the after show, you know, it's the talking dead to, you know, keep keep that zombie high going for another 30 minutes after after that show is over it's the um it you know it's the easter eggy scene after the credits in a movie you just for a certain caliber of like for not caliber but for a certain type of movie <laughs> marvel you've mm-hmm. now basically just come to expect that the movie is not over when the credits hit and that's bullshit the movie's over when the credits hit um and and so the other thing that I don't like about it as part of the tweaking of expectations is that it means if you you as an audience member you're putting yourself sort of at risk if you leave when the show is really by you know sort of the typical definition over you risk missing out on this other part and and that seems not great. I mean, have, is that something that you've experienced before? Um, well, I know that I have left. I've like bailed on a concert before the encore and I don't, I don't know what ended up getting played, but the song that I went there really hoping to hear in a live setting didn't get played. So I yeah. imagine it probably came in the encore. So I, I want to answer your part of that with, first of all, is we're talking about managing expectations really. I've come to realize that there are certain songs that artists really can't play live for not even like emotional reasons. I know there are songs that certain people don't want to play because it it makes them think of things that they don't like anymore. Um, But there other times it's just the instrumentation. It doesn't make sense. Like they can't, they can't really play that live. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only concert I've really left 
early where I was like, I, I gotta go. This is letting me down was the, the beach line concert that we won't spend time on here, but that was more of a sure. environmental thing that was going on and they did their darndest. And I was really impressed, but it was just a bad vibe. Uh, but recently, I actually saw Vince Staples, who I've seen like two or three times this year, honestly. Uh, I think two. Um, but as far as that mixing of catalog thing goes, I left during his encore, and I looked it up later, and I think he played another two or three songs after I left. But I had come to the point where I'm like, I heard everything I wanted. Um, I'm going to leave a little bit early so I can get an Uber or a Lyft uh, while the prices are still decent. I, I got my money's worth. He he performed well, and he gave me everything I wanted. Uh, and that is an instance where I left, but my expectations were such that I had them met where it sounds like you didn't. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I didn't... I don't know. I didn't not have my expectations met. The show was... The show I'm, I'm referring to specifically was a, a Gaslight Anthem concert I went to in my first year of college, and... It was great. The show was awesome. So I'm not, um, you know, I'm not upset about that at all. Uh, And it was just like the Parquet Court show you talked about. It was great because the crowd was awesome. I had never, Mm -hmm. I had really only listened to that, you know, listened to that band. I'd never, I didn't know anyone else who was into them. So I had no idea what the crowd was going to be like. And they were fantastic. Yeah. Um, so you were, you were into gaslighting before it was cool. That's that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Except it's terrible. A, and in a less harmful form. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the other, I think the other thing with concerts that I'd like to talk about, um, and and you you were telling me about this Vince Staples concert, and you mentioned um, that you had been listening to him about two weeks before the show. Yeah. And and I kind of want to talk about, you know, what happens before and after. Um, because so, uh, yeah. It, like, the idea of, I, I guess the idea of, like, whether you prep for a concert that you're going to go to. I, there's, I think there's an argument that could be made, which is if you have to, if you have to prep for it, if you have to refresh yourself, like, maybe you're not that into it. But it's not that. It's just there's so much music to listen to. And then I start thinking about, oh. I'm going to go to this concert. I'm excited for it, but what what am I excited about? What am I really going to look forward to? Now, there's mm-hmm. the element of surprise that, that may be really good. This Vince Staples show that I went to earlier this year, that was before his album came out, and he played a lot of the new album tracks, and I didn't really know them. I couldn't prepare for them. I was just like, oh, this sounds different. I can tell that this is off of his new album. Uh, going later in the summer... I had this realization, oh, he's probably going to play stuff from the new album, but what what do I expect or what would I like to hear? And it's just mm-hmm. kind of like refreshing the discography so when you hear it, you, I don't know, you can really have an extra appreciation for it maybe. But yeah, I think the couple weeks before a concert, I usually start going back through and thinking they'll probably play this, maybe they won't play this. Uh Am I gonna be, you know, heartbroken if they don't if they don't play that? I, I think that bands that you have more of like a connection to. I don't even mean emotional. I just mean ones you really enjoy listening to. Like going to a Spoon show, uh, you know, I don't know what my five favorite Spoon songs are, but they probably didn't play more than two of them. They've been around for over like twenty years. And mm-hmm. That's that's fine. So 
part of it is I got to have in mind that these expectations, I don't want to let myself down by getting psyched about something that very well may not happen. That's fair. So I, I actually want to go even, I want to go shorter window than two weeks out. I'm talking day of. When we go to this Spoon concert um, in in December, are you going to be listening to Spoon the day of the concert? Well, see, I think that that's a, an odd example in some ways because again if there's if there's a group that i know their whole discography it would be spoon like when i saw that concert they probably played 15 songs recently and there were only two that i didn't know what the name of the song was but i it was but i knew which album they were off of i just couldn't like you you know the words but you don't know the name of the song so I don't need to listen to it, but of course I will just because I, I like listening to a lot of it. But that's one where I didn't need to. This Arcade Fired show, I did listen to albums like before and day of uh, because I wanted to be able to recognize the songs better because that's a group that I can't really do that with. Okay, that yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's – so I, I know that that was, that was sort of our initial – impetus for talking about this a little was you mentioned uh, you went to the show with Sunan right yeah um uh, I think you you two had a conversation about you know like listening maybe you had a conversation about listening on the way to the concert am I am I misremembering that no no and he he asked if that was okay to to listen to music on the way it was a different concert but yeah this the same thing it's it's is this okay I think that was actually on the way to Bonnie there um I think it's so I think that there are two things in that one is you don't want to get yourself excited uh, for something you won't hear so the element of surprise is good but I think what I would argue is especially with a group that I don't know as well or my familiarity isn't as isn't as great I like to be able to recognize the songs Mm -hmm. and so that 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 like just makes me feel better I, I don't know necessarily why but it allows me to enjoy it a little bit more if I know, oh, they're playing this song now. Okay, yeah, that that's fair. That makes sense. I I dig that. So let's let's move on instead of you know instead of listening before a show, which has as you as you point out, you know, the possible ability to affect your expectations for what the show is yeah. going to be. What is your stance on listening to the music of the band you just saw after the concert? I I mean, I'm thinking about most of the situations where I think there's just not the opportunity a lot of times. If if I'm driving back from a concert, which which does happen, uh and I'm thinking where I went recently and I've done that, I usually just kind of want to talk about the show with people. I almost want to have some moments of no music in part because my ears are probably buzzing still. Mm, So the the solitude, or if if I'm in DC going to a concert, I'm on the way back and it's either I'm about to go to bed or I'm going to go drink some more with friends and I'm in an Uber or something like that. So there isn't the opportunity really to play them. But I'd say I like the... I prefer the kind of silence and discussion, but probably not the group because cause then you. I don't want to get to the point where you get kind of nitpicky and think, oh, you know, I wish they had done this. It, it, it goes back to the same thing, which is now that you've had the show, you can just say the things that you 
wish they would have done. I think that's a really bad attitude. See, I don't. Well, okay, yeah. If that was if that was going to be how you would approach it, that would <laughs> I agree that that would be bad. But I, I also realize that your you've pointed out that your your concert going circumstances are often much different from mine. You have to drive or take public transportation or something to get to these concerts, which you typically attend with other people that you know. Yeah. And I guess I was thinking of, you know, from my narrow perspective where my concerts are by and large all walking distance and I'm going by myself. Um, yeah. Because I'm super pro, uh, you know, ke- keeping the experience going. Uh, yeah. Do you think it deepens your appreciation for what you just heard? I... I don't know if it deepens the appreciation for what I just heard, but uh, the the example that really sort of sticks in my head is in May I went to uh, I went to see Symbols Eat Guitars here in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. and the show was amazing. Their live show is pretty different, I think, than their than their recorded music, but I mean at, it was it was awesome and it was it was so fucking cool and yeah, rather than. I guess I was more just sort of trying to keep riding the wave as opposed to, you know, I, I I wasn't thinking about it too much in the context of the actual concert itself, more just like keeping the feeling going um, while I walked home. So I, I guess that's where, that's how I think about I, it mostly. I think that that's, I think that if you can just be, keeping keeping the momentum going just like with the when do you have an encore when the momentum is good when and we it, i mean we are believers that momentum doesn't exist shout out to bill barnwell see, see there it is i can it's me i'm constructing my own encore that's yeah. what it is yeah you're so even if they don't if you, if you want to keep going like that you were good and you really enjoyed it just just keep going i think that's i think that's great i, I think that you know the shows that people go to and and they're like, ah, oh, I wish it was different. I really don't have those. I think that I usually go to pretty good shows. Uh, the only <laughs> the only criticism I, I may – and that's not to celebrate myself. It's just I I get excited about it and I can have a pretty good attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only ones that I think that uh, I've, I've heard you know, maybe some negativity towards is actually going to see Vince Stables. And I went with Max and, and soon oh, on God, I was there as why? well. Why? Well, he Vince Staples opened for Gorillas and actually performed with oh, Gorillas. Oh, that's right. Okay, I remember yeah. that. So the the thing was is they were all like, "Why is Vince Staples like not? Why does he seem like he doesn't want to be there?" <laughs> but the thing is, is because Vince Staples a curmudgeonly old man in a young yeah, person's body. But if he's you got go, see, yeah, if you see an interview with Vince Staples, he's pretty open about the f- fact that I don't think he really likes music, and he hit that and he comes really out hates people. He really hates people. He doesn't like music. Now, when he performed with Gorillaz at, at the the end, um, he he was much more into it and acted different. But when he does his set, like that is just a persona that he takes. And and I can even see the the positivity in that. He's changed over time because I first saw him some number of years ago. But uh, you know, even that I'm okay with. So I mean, if you can keep a positive attitude and keep listening to it afterwards, that's fine. Uh, and I'm I'm pro that. It's just when you start going, oh well, I wish they would have done this. I wish they would have done that. Well, you know what? They're entertainers. Were you entertain? Are you not entertained? <laughs> Are you not entertained? I like that we've come full circle. So, uh, speaking of Vince Staples interviews, um, if you want a, a look at, at at him, I will. Uh, I'll make sure that we 
post a link on this episode uh, to the episode of Hot Ones that Vin Staples did because it's great and I I love him. I I think of myself as a kind of curmudgeonly person a lot, so I really appreciate. He, he's turned it into an art form. Yeah, and and I do miss when he would interact with the crowd and like I saw him at U Street Music Hall, which is a pretty small venue in D.C. Uh, a few years ago, and he just berated this this guy in a Kirk Cousins jersey. And you know, I'm very glad he did it. And most of the things he uh, he said was uh, you know were correct, which Kirk Cousins sucks, and and <laughs> Washington was terrible to RG three and and whatever else. But True. and also he has great sports insights. Generally, like a tall team wins. That's usually right. It's usually <laughs> right. Fair enough. All right. Well, if you have thoughts about encores, uh, prepping for concerts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Come check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod and let us know what you think. In the meantime, it is time once again for your favorite segment and mine, Pierce is sorry. What are you apologizing for this week? So um, this this one I think is is pretty easy and it, it's it's fresh on my mind. Uh, I texted you during the Arcade Fire show. Uh, but there's there's a bit more of a backstory. So, uh, in brief, I I met Win Butler last night. Who? Let me describe Win Butler. He has bad hair, yes. and he's about twelve feet tall, and he wears a big hat. <laughs> um, and he wears funny boots. But seems, would he fit as an extra in Gangs of New York? Uh, I'm not gonna watch that movie. I don't think. But maybe. Where are they tall? I I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't. They know. wear funny boots and big hats. Oh, yeah. Yes. Pro- Probably. Um, he plays basketball pretty well, too, is, is my understanding. Anyways, uh, so I – meeting people that, that you at least – you sense their fame or, or their importance is kind of difficult, I think, for everyone. Um, and what I'm apologizing for is I've had some opportunities to do this before, and I just – I'm still not good at it. It's like – you want to be natural, but I always end up, I'll say things like, thank you. Um, last night, uh, what I said to him, uh, and what I'm really pledging for is I'd seen him in the hallway earlier when we were walking into the show, and I was with two other people, uh, and we didn't, the three of us didn't say anything. We all knew it was him, and none of us said anything. And we had, you know, had enough, had enough drinks beforehand that, you know, not that we were drunk, but like felt comfortable saying whatever. Um, so then he's in the crowd for Preservation Hall Jazz Band, and I walk up to him, and it's someone else who says, you know, we saw you earlier, I didn't say hello, I just want to say hello now, blah, 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 you're awesome. And then they shake hands, and then he kind of looks over at me, and I said, which I actually think was pretty good, but it was, uh, I'm just here for courage. Um, and we shook hands, but I still thought, and I'm sorry for this, which is, if you're going to see a famous person, be prepared to, to say something that's not just, you know, a one-liner or or maybe ask a question. I should have asked, and I'm sorry for not asking this because I know you would have appreciated it. I should have asked him, is James Murphy really that much of an asshole? I need to know. I Well, I, see, I go the other way on this. I say be, I say be prepared to be as cordial and small-talky, but totally unfocused on their celebrity as possible which which is well by saying i was there for courage i 
you gave in to the celebrity. Yeah. Um, but also, if you say thank you, it's like, what are you thanking me for? I'm just Correct. a fan like you at this moment. So, yeah, I'm sorry for not just being cool, but on a podcast about celebrating aggressive mediocrity, it should not shock you that I was incapable of being cool in a big <laughs> moment. It sounds so, about right. I mean, I'd like to think I nailed the time that I crossed paths with Anthony Davis in a hallway and we just did a upward head nod and that was enough. <laughs> yeah, but I also feel I like had when to you nod s- my head significantly farther upwards. Than he yeah. Did. I, I feel like he was, you know, it, it, there's something also to be said about that's someone who's probably younger than you or, or maybe you're oh, about yeah. the same age. But yeah, I'm it's like. I'm sure that that is the case. That, that's a, that ends to it. Uh, that adds into it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I'm I'm curious if if other people who listen have better stories about actually being able to hold a small conversation with with famous people. Yeah, we'll see. I I, I doubt it. I doubt um, it too. Anyway, we will close the show this week with a big idea from pop culture. And uh, recently, uh, arguably my favorite writer on the planet, Albert Bernico of of Deadspin. Uh, wrote wrote this piece in in which his basic thesis was um, everything's fucked. Why don't you just calm down and have a cup of herbal tea? <laughs> and when I read it, I was in the midst of a pretty harrowing day of work, uh, and, and so the the advice proved extremely sage. And I, I'd, I'd like to say that uh, I'm, I'm a significant proponent of uh, the Bengal spice tea, which I think is maybe celestial seasonings. Um, it's, it's got like cinnamon and, and cardamom. I don't even know what the fuck cardamom is, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's popular in South Asian like teas. It's, it's stuff. tasty and. Uh, it was recommended to me by a colleague who said, if you leave the tea bag in rather than uh, taking it out once it's done steeping, the end of the cup is going to be spicy. And I said, this sounds right up my alley. I'm going to try that. And it was phenomenal. So strong. We, we, we don't really plug products but i i will say that uh I, I, thank you to albert bernico for recommending that i have a cup of tea that day and uh thank you to uh megan at work for saying bengal spice is the shit because it really is two two quick things i also after reading that immediately drank some tea at work oh yeah uh which leads into number two. I'm not really a tea person i'm more of a coffee person as we've discussed yes uh Max is going to be really upset that we talked about what he'll find. I'm sure to be really shitty tea on the podcast because he is he is, he is he is he is our tea expert. But I have never seen him make tea. Actually, I think I've seen him consume I it. Have. But uh, I I think it might be that he is discerning enough, and I appreciate this. Is he's discerning enough that he's just not going to be wasting his tea opportunities on us. So much I think that's to entirely that. correct. Uh, that yeah. sounds right on the nose, and. That, in fact, is the end of the show. Yep. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at PrettyOKPod or drop us a line at It'sPrettyOK at gmail.com and let us know what you think. 
you can get every episode of this podcast at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. You can get an encore whenever you want. Just listen to another one. That's right. Uh, Or you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or most other places that you get podcasts so you never miss an episode. If you do that, one small favor to ask. Please, please, please leave us a rating, review, um, comment, something like that. Um, And hopefully you know other uh other people who might be into us and and we would really appreciate it if you uh if you told them about what we're doing here uh because we'd love to uh we'd love to share it with them as well we will be back again next week to talk about something else until then i'm sean i'm pierce thanks for listening